tells us to always be ready to give an account of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And if somebody said, what happened to you? Don't fall into the foolish trap of saying, I got my life together. Because you didn't get your life together. You got a river of living water flowing out of you. And you got a chance to declare it and tell somebody, he's done so much for me. And he's been so good to me that I can't tell it all. Hallelujah. I used to be lost, but now I'm found. I used to be confused and confounded, but now I've got peace. Hallelujah. I used to be without any hope in this world, but I've got hope in Jesus Christ, my Lord. Anybody got that testimony? Hallelujah. 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 Why do you act the way you do? Well, you should have been there when I came through. If you had known me before I knew him, you'd understand why I act the way that I do. Hallelujah. Anybody got that testimony? He made the difference in your life. He changed direction. Gave you a new pathway to walk on. You used to be on the highway to hell, but now you're on the highway of holiness. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all think that, the, that the, the heavy metal group came up with the song, The Highway to Hell. That's in the Word of God. There's a pathway that leadeth to destruction. But I'm so glad the Lord changed my direction. How many understand that this gospel is more than a good feeling? This gospel message is about more than joining a church or shaking a preacher's hand or signing a card to say, now I'm a member of this family, this body. But the, the kingdom of God is about a change of direction prompted by the Holy Spirit, directed by God's Word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hope that uh, many of you have been reading your Bible through this year. If not, it's not too late to get started. But uh, in the Bible reading this week, while I was reading, uh, there was an Old Testament portion, a New Testament portion, some from Psalms and also a few verses from Proverbs. And on Thursday, in our Bible reading for Thursday this week, in Proverbs chapter number 5, uh, verse number 20 and 21, this passage, even the verses prior to it, but these two verses in particular, captured my attention and I feel like God has directed me to minister to our church body along these lines. In Proverbs chapter number 5, in verse number 20, it says, 
And why wilt thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? I want you to look at verse 21. It says, For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. The ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he, which is the Lord, pondereth all his goings. Let me read that last verse that I just read to you. Uh, Verse number 21 from the New Living Translation. It says, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. The Lord examines what we do. And specifically, the verse says, He observes, He pondereth, He examines our pathways. The Lord is concerned about our pathways. I want you to get this from the Word of God. It's very, very simple. This uh, leading into it is a passage of Scripture about a man who would be foolish enough to leave the love of his only wife and to share his love with others. And it finishes by saying, God observes the ways of the man and God examines our pathways. Now, here's why I feel compelled or led to minister along these lines today is that during a time of prayer and fasting, it's sometimes the only time, Brother Steele mentioned it this morning, the only time when we're used to telling, when we actually tell ourselves no, we, we, we deny our flesh. And so every single day, those of you that are fasting, are putting in practice this concept of self-denial or telling yourself no. And I I don't know if it's just me or if I think this may be something that applies to all of us. That during these times when you're telling yourself no, you suddenly begin to examine your pathways or your decisions that you're making. Become a little more serious about the direction of your life in a number of different ways. And so, uh, with the help of the Lord, I'd like to minister on this subject, the path principle, the principle of the path today. Because if God is concerned with our path enough to examine our ways, examine our paths, then don't you think we ought to take a little time today and ponder our own path? Look at where we have come from. Observe where we are going the path principle. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us today to minister, Lord Jesus, to those that are under the sound of my voice. I pray, Lord, that your word would be presented in such a way that it would be compelling and memorable. But more than that, Lord Jesus, that it would get through all the layers, Jesus, that we have varnished onto ourselves to cause us not to listen to the voice of reason, the voice of wisdom. I pray today, Lord Jesus, that through your word you would reveal wisdom through Solomon, the wisest of men you would share with us, Lord Jesus, direction for our life. We thank you for it and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want you to shake hands with three people. Give them a big smile.
Say, Jesus loves you if you didn't know it. And you may be seated. Does anyone remember the story of the Wizard of Oz? Who was the main character in the Wizard of Oz? Dorothy. What was Dorothy's dog's name? Toto. What did Dorothy say when she woke up in Oz? We're not in Kansas anymore. For those who can't remember the story, let me remind you that uh, a tornado blew little Dorothy away from her home in Kansas, and she woke up in this strange place, and in this ethereal dream world, she became desperate to find her way back home. And there was a, a character, I think her name was Esmeralda or something, who told Dorothy, I know who has the answer. I know who can get you home. It's a man named the Wizard. We, we, we affectionately refer to him as the Wizard of Oz. And he lives in a place called Close. Emerald City. Good job. Some of you guys have your illusions in place. You know what we're alluding to here. Emerald City. And uh, furthermore, she instructed Dorothy and her band of travelers who wanted things like courage and a heart, things like that, said in order to find the wizard, all you have to do is follow the yellow brick road. You guys are great. Very, very good memories. Follow the yellow brick road because... If you follow the yellow brick road, it will take you right to Emerald City, take you right to the wizard who can share with you information you need as to how to get home. And, and, and the basic principle is, Dorothy, we don't have to give you a lot of complicated instructions. Uh, all you have to do is get on this particular path. And if you get on this path, known affectionately as the yellow brick road, it will lead you to a particular location that you need, namely Emerald City. So all you have to do is find the path and stay on the path, and you'll get there. Anybody ever wished there was a yellow brick road to whatever destination you were wanting to get to in life? Where you don't have to... Ask a lot of questions, get a lot of solutions, so on and so forth. All you have to do is get on the right path, and it will lead you to where you want to go. Maybe you're in a marriage, and you'd like to be in a healthy marriage. What if someone told you, I have a pathway that will lead you to a healthy marriage, and all you have to do is get on that path? What if you're financially unstable, and you've got financial problems periodically? Someone said, I have a path for you. If you'll get on this path, you don't have to ask any directions or instructions. Just get on this path, and it will lead you to financial stability. Or here's the pathway to good health. Or here's the pathway. If you get on this pathway, it'll take you out of your guilt. It'll take you out of your depression, and it'll take you away from your shame. And what I want to tell you today is 
uh, about the principle of the path. I'll explain specifically what we mean when we declare the principle of the path. And this is a principle that is affecting your life today, whether you recognize it or not. And uh, somebody said, well, I've never heard of this path principle, the principle of the path. So it is unrelated to my situation because I know nothing about it. But there are principles that you don't understand that still affect your life. Amen. Anybody heard of the uh, 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 the law of gravity? Now, I don't understand how it works. I, I can decide I don't believe in it or agree with it, but it still affects me. I can't fly. I fall down. Anybody ever heard of... Uh, the principle of Archimedes called the uh, principle of buoyancy. The principle of buoyancy. Now, I can't explain it all to you how the, this principle relates that based on a person's mass to size or whatever, they are either buoyant or they sink. Just because I don't understand the principle or agree with the principle doesn't mean that it doesn't affect me. I still either can sink or swim because of this principle of Archimedes called the principle of buoyancy. And the principle of the path is something that affects you every day of your life. Whether you understand it, believe in it, or don't understand it, or choose not to believe in it, it still has an effect on you. Every day of your life, every area of your life is impacted by this principle, the principle of the path. Your relationships are affected by it. Your family is affected by it. Your finances are affected by the principle of the path. Your career and and your spirituality and your relationship with God is affected by the principle of the path. You are on a path that is created by a series of decisions. I told my wife, well, Excuse me. I was preparing. I'm a little hot, a little warm, and uh, so warm. I took off my jacket, even though Cambria told me when I left the house today, "Don't take off your jacket today, Dad, because you'll look like Andy Griffith." <laughs> Actually, what she told me was, "If you take your coat off, take off your tie too, or else you'll look like Barney Fife." So <laughs> that's even worse. So. I, I told my wife, I said, honey, I wish I had a, a rear view mirror that I could use as an illustration for my sermon. Because, he, he, let me help you try to explain, try to explain to you kind of the premise behind the principle of the path. And that is that you are on a pathway in your health, in your finances, in your family life, in your relationship with God, in your spirituality, in your ministry. You're on a pathway, but you don't recognize it often until you look in the rearview mirror. What is this pathway you speak of, Pastor? What I'm speaking of is every decision that you make regarding these areas of your life, we, we sometimes just think, well, I'm just making a random decision. I'm, these decisions are not affected with the last decision I made. This is a decision for today, and it doesn't have anything to do with what I decided last week. But what you will notice if you will stop for a minute and, like God, examine your path, and look behind, you will discover that your decisions 
are creating a pattern and you are on a pathway based on your decisions that's leading somewhere. And here's the unfortunate part that I need you to catch is that oftentimes this pathway is leading to a destination that's different than the place you want to go. The destination that you are heading towards as a product of the stream or pattern of your decisions is leading you where you never intended to go in all of these important areas of life. And sometimes we get in a mess in our lives. We get in a mess in our relationships. Uh, Some of us have gotten in a mess with our finances. Uh, Some of us have, have gotten in a mess because we picked up some bad habits that are destroying us spiritually and we wonder why we can't get through to God and reconnect with Him. And when we have these problems, oftentimes we want a solution. Can you fix this for me? And someone says, is there a book I can read? Or, Pastor, I need a, I need a word. I need, I, I, I need a fix. I need a solution for this. Or you, you talk to a brother or sister or someone who's spiritually mature. I need a solution. But here's what I want to tell you today. Is oftentimes... Human beings don't need solutions. They need direction. Let let me make it plain to you. Computers get broken. They need to be fixed. Cars get broken. They need to be fixed. Right? Your lawnmower gets broken. It needs to be fixed. But people have direction that they need to change. Not brokenness that needs to be fixed. And if you continue in the same pathway... In the same direction, and and here's what, I don't want to make anybody mad or hurt anybody's feelings, but the reality is, sometimes we make decisions that are leading us in a direction, and then we think that by praying, that God will somehow supernaturally allow the pathway to lead us somewhere other than where we're going. And, And the point is, is, it's like, God... I like the pathway I'm on, but I don't want it to end up where it's going. So can you supernaturally somehow let me travel this pathway, but let it end up somewhere other than where it's going? That's folly. That's foolishness. Amen. You can pray and fast, but if you keep making the same kinds of decisions, you're going to continue on the same pathway that you are on. So you don't need a solution. What you need is a change of direction. You need to learn how to make different decisions. Because whenever you come to a point of decision, a fork in the road, you get to decide one way or the other. Whether it's to purchase this or not purchase that. Whether to go in here or not go in there. Whether to drink this or not drink this. Whether to hang out with this person or not hang out with this person. Whether to deepen your relationship with this individual or not deepen this relation, your relationship with this individual. You may not even, you may pretend like, well, I'm not even making decisions. But you are making decisions. You are choosing pathways. And the Bible says God examines your pathways. And the sad part is, is we don't even realize we're on a pathway. And God is observing our ways. And whenever you come to these forks in the road, you make decisions. Anybody, when I was in fourth and fifth grade, there was a series of books that were very popular and they were called Choose Your Own Adventure. Anybody remember those? Probably people that are kind of my age, you know. People that are kind of my age. Brother Leonard, you remember those? They should bring those out again. Those were pretty cool. 
Because you could read the whole book and only read a quarter of it. Remember, you know, because what you would do is you'd be reading an adventure or a drama. And you'd come to a high point in the drama where a decision had to be made. And then you had A, B, C. You got to select or determine which decision you were going to make. And if you made decision A, which is stand and fight, or B, run away, or C, call for help, whatever it was, it would tell you which page to go to. The neat thing about these books is you could go back and retrospectively look at what would have happened if you had made other decisions or chosen a different pathway. And in life, I believe that God wants during this time of fasting for us to stop for a minute and observe the pathways that we are on in various areas of our life because there is a principle of the pathway and this principle is such that if you ignore it, if you pretend like it doesn't exist, it still applies to you and it still affects you. Amen? So, just to make this maybe a little clearer, in, in our finances, our personal finances, we are where we are because of a pattern of decisions. Now, I know that from time to time we face things in our life that are beyond our control. But the reality is if we would stop for a minute and be honest with ourselves, we would realize that we are where we are in our finances because of a pattern of decisions that we made over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you look in the rearview mirror, won't you notice that there is a pattern to your behavior? There is a pattern. And so if you aren't where you want to be financially, what do we do? We want to fix Somebody fix it for me. I need an infusion of cash. God, if you'll just infuse me with cash from on high. If you will endue me with cash from on high, things will be better. The problem is you're still going the same direction. You're still going to have the same problems. What you don't need is a solution or a fix. What you do need is a change of direction. Because you can't get to where you want to be financially staying on the same pathway that you're on right now. Let me share this with you and make somebody mad, I'm sure. But economic downturns are not what cause problems. Economic, economic downturns are what reveal problems that were there all the time. I'm on a pathway. What am I on a pathway to? I'm on a pathway to no retirement. I'm on a pathway to bills till I die. I'm on a pathway of struggling in my final years. That's where my pathway, I don't care how much that you make or how successful you are. If you're on this pathway, it may feel good right now because you've got plenty coming in. But then hard times hit and all of a sudden you realize and stop for a minute. Wait, this pathway is leading somewhere. You know, that's what I found. Hard times sometimes wake you up. Fasting and prayer sometimes bring things to the surface that need to be dealt with. And I believe right now that those can be spiritual things. Those can be things relating to your character, your morality. But they can also be in these other areas as well where you realize that God's pondering my pathway. And God's looking down and saying, please get off that pathway. I've got so much for you, so many blessings for you. But on that pathway, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get there because that pathway 
doesn't lead to stability in finances. So these economic downturns actually reveal the problems that we have. And this is also true relationally. When you go through a storm and these problems come to the surface, then all of a sudden we realize that uh, there is something on the inside that's being dealt with. And spiritually as well and academically, all these areas of our life, if we look through the rearview mirror, we recognize that we're on a path. And the decisions that we're making are not unrelated, but they're creating a stream or a pathway that we find ourselves on. So here's the path principle. Everybody ready? You might want to write this down. This is the principle of the path. The principle of the path is your destination is determined by your direction, not your intentions. Your destination is determined by your direction, not your intentions. You say, well, that, that's pretty, that's pretty uh, trite. I mean, that's just, we all know that. We all understand that, Pastor Brown. But the reality is, if I could get you to pull back for a minute and look at yourself, we think that we're going to get where we want to go based on our intentions rather than our direction based on our decisions. So the principle of the path is very simple, and it applies to you whether you like it or not. And that is you get where you want to go based on your direction. Your direction will determine where you'll end up. Not your good intentions or your good heart. Well, your heart's in the right place. You're working hard at it. It doesn't matter. What is your direction? And the unfortunate thing about us as human beings is we have a tendency to travel on pathways that lead where we don't want to go. You guys still with me? Why do we do that? We travel on pathways and expect it to get us someplace that the pathway doesn't lead. Many people do not connect the dots between their decisions that they're making and the outcome that's coming in the future. Here's a popular notion that nobody would state necessarily that they believe it, but down in their heart of hearts, the reason they're making decisions like they are, because they believe this. And this is the incorrect notion. It's this. If my intentions are good, if my heart's in the right place, whatever that means, if I do my best, if I try hard, I'll end up where I want to be regardless of the path that I travel. But the fact is, if you want to get to Emerald City, you've got to go follow the yellow brick road. There is a pathway that gets you where you want to go. But don't expect to end up in the Emerald City following the red brick road. Or following this road of your own decisions. And you say, but I want to go to Emerald City. And God knows I've been praying that I'll end up in Emerald City. Too bad. The principle of the path is this. God's not going to violate these principles. That if you want to get to Emerald City, you follow the yellow brick road. And there are pathways based on decisions that you can see in your past that determine where you are going. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7 if you have your Bibles. I want to read a few verses here. Proverbs chapter 7. Uh, beginning at verse number 6. It says, th this is written by Solomon, the wise, wisest man that ever lived, who 
God said, I'll give you anything. He says, give me great wisdom to lead my people. And Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, was pondering one day. And look at what happens. He says, for at the window of my house, I looked through my casement. He opened up the window and he was looking down. This wise man who'd been around for a while. And he said, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a man void of understanding. He looked down out through his window and he sees a group of young people. And there is one of the young people who is lacking good judgment, lacking good understanding. Now, once again, I think I'm going to make a lot of people mad today. But the reality is young people seldom have good judgment. You guys mad at me? It's the truth. Did you know? Did you know that they have proven that the part of your brain that is able to connect actions with consequences meaningfully over a long term is in your frontal lobe? And the frontal lobe of your brain doesn't fully develop until you're in your mid-twenties. That explains why teenagers often engage in high-risk activities like texting right in front of your pastor while he's preaching. High risk. Chaboom. Oh, we were looking up the Bible verses. We're, we're following. She was. Okay, I'm sorry. I just had, that was just a slam dunk. You remember that when somebody hit the volleyball up? High-risk behavior. Young people tend to engage in high-risk behavior because the part of them that is able to make the connection between what I do today and how it affects me down the road is not very developed yet. So oftentimes young people lack good judgment. Is there anybody in the house that has this testimony that when you were 16, 17, 18, you thought your dad was one of the dumbest guys you ever met? Out of touch, clueless, didn't know anything about the world. Who is this guy telling me what to do? Oh, he was raised in the Brill Cream era, wearing wingtip shoes. What's he talking about? He is clueless. Because as young people, we feel like, oh, fuddy-duddy, and once no fun, no action, no activity. The reality is, is your dad is you with about 20 years experience. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody else that can say, my dad was pretty smart. Now, I can really look back now. I wish I'd have listened to him. Anybody, can you say that? I wish I would have listened to that authority figure, my mother, my father, in my life. But Solomon's looking through the window and he's observing out through this tall casement, this young man who lacks understanding and good judgment. Verse 8, he's passing through the street near her corner and he went the way to her house. Verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman the attire in the, with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. And then it talks about her seduction. Verse number 21 says, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Verse 22, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Hey, hey, the preacher's preaching straight, isn't he? Solomon says he followed her, thinking this is going to be the greatest night of my life. 
This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to make memories to last forever. This is just one decision, one night. He said, till a dart shall strike him through his liver as a bird runneth right into the snare to be caught and knoweth not that it is for his life. It says, hearken unto me now therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. Guess what? Kiddo, smarty pants, you think you're making one decision, you've started down a path. And it's not an isolated decision, it's a decision that's going to be followed by other decisions. You've started down a pathway and you have no clue that you are being led into a snare. You're being led to a place where you're going to be run through with a dart where your life is going to be completely destroyed. You're walking into destruction. You have no clue. Wake up because her pathway is a pathway of destruction. And it says, uh, go not astray in her past, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell. Or that word translated in modern vernacular, her house is the highway to hell. A pathway to hell going down to the chambers of death. Now, I hope I can make sense of this real super, super quick. Is that as young people, as middle-aged people, we think we can make a decision based on an impulse of our emotions in our heart and it's not going to affect the rest of our life. But every single decision that you make is creating a pathway. And you are traveling on a pathway. And I can promise you right now, if you're traveling on this pathway, the destination is not what you want. It's not the destination that you want. Wake up. It's time for prudence. Prudence. Amen. Anybody heard that word before? Prudence. Prudence. I always think of prudence. I think of uh, a, a woman that is like, like, real, like this. But prudence means making wise decisions that looks into the future rather than what makes you feel good right now. And I want to tell you that there are some people who have made up their mind that I want to go to this place right here. And I recognize that every decision that I make that takes me off of that pathway is not going to lead me to that place. You know what? If you want God's anointing on your life, there are pathways you've got to stay away from. If you want to make it to heaven, there are pathways you've got to stay away from. If you want real true happiness that lasts long long term, then there are pathways of immediate happiness that you've got to stay away from because there is a principle of a pathway. And that is your destination will be determined by your decisions and your direction, not by your good intentions. But I'm a good person. I cry. I pray. I love Jesus. I speak his name. The problem is the Bible says there's going to be a lot of people that stand before God in judgment. Did you know that? And says... But I, I cast out evil spirits in your name. I did all manner of good works in your name. I loved you. I cried. I prayed. I got stammering lips. I spoke in tongues. Da, 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 da. God says, depart from me. I never knew you, ye worker of iniquity. You can't get on that pathway and expect it to lead you there. 
I want to tell you right now, there is a pathway of righteousness. There's a pathway of holiness. There's a pathway of living for God. Hallelujah. And submitting and surrendering ourselves to this word and in retrospect telling ourselves no every day of our lives when we see a diversion, when we see a rabbit running and we have a tendency or desire or passion to pursue after that. No, I'm staying on a pathway because I'm going to the Emerald City. I'm going to the Golden City. It's better than the Emerald City. And I know there's a pathway. There is a road that will lead me there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Romans 27 and 12, I'm sorry, Proverbs 27 and 12, Proverbs, the book of wisdom written by the wisest man that ever lived, says a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Look at this. What does a prudent man do? Look at the word foresee. Foresee. What does that indicate? Looking into the future. Looking beyond the horizon. Looking beyond today. What does the simple person do? The simple person lives for today. Mm, If it feels good, do it. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's a blast. Hey, it's the thing to do. Everybody else is doing it. All the other young people are doing it. All the rest of the world is doing it. It's fun. Let's go for it. Well, what do prudent people do or wise people? They look into the future and they see where does this pathway lead? Come on. Are you listening to me? Where does this pathway that I'm traveling on lead to? Is that where I want to go? See, here's the problem. I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but here's the problem. We make the mistake of getting advice and direction from our peers who are in the same stage of life as we are. Well, this is how I'm going to act because this is how my buddy's acting. Well, wait for a minute. How does that make sense? That's about as much sense. If you've got some place you want to go in life, by taking directions from somebody who's never been where you want to go, doesn't have any clue how to get there, but they're hanging with you and y'all both lost. You've got to get some good mentors in your life that already are where you want to be and learn to take instruction direction from them. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching the truth. I'm sorry, man, but if I'm down in the middle of L.A. somewhere and I'm lost, I don't want to find another person who's lost. And say, how are we going to get out of here? I don't know. Let's work on it together. The Bible says the blind lead the blind. They both fall in the ditch. So that's why if you want good godly counsel, if you want instruction, look to somebody who's already where you want to be. I trip out on people who take financial advice from people who are broke. Now let me tell you what you need to do. Let me tell you what you need to do about those finances. I'm like, hush, I don't want to hear it. Please don't say it. Let me talk to somebody who's got money in their 401k. Let me talk to somebody who showed discipline. Let me talk to somebody. Anybody remember Brother and Sister Ramirez? Brother and Sister Ramirez that were members of this church for a number of years till he passed away. When he passed away, they never lived high on the hog. They never lived fancy. Had a simple home, simple car, simple life. When he passed away, she was set up. Financially, she was in great shape. Their kids are in great shape. You know why? It's just because simple things he was doing. And when I was talking to him, I was like, 
how did you get there? (laughs) You know, because when I'm 70 years old, I want to be where you are. Because I've met other people at 70 who are over here, and that's not where I want to end up. And people that are my age, certainly, unless they're already financially where I want to go, as far as savings and so forth, I don't want to listen to what they have to say. And young people, when we follow the herd mentality, the Bible says that there is a wide road that leadeth to destruction. And many people on that path. But straight and narrow is the way that leadeth to eternal life. Few there be that find it. So guess what I'm looking for? I'm looking for some people that have fought a lot of battles, that have been through some trials, that have been tempted to give up on God, that have gone through some hard times and they made it through some hard times, got a little sprinkling of salt and pepper in their hair. They've been through some tough times. They've been living for God for some years. And I'm going to say, can you tell me? I'm going through a tough time right now. What do I do? I'm going through a struggle. I've got to make this decision. How do I make this decision? How should I do this? Because the principle of the path is thus, that your direction will determine where you end up, not your good intentions. Let me just say this right here, right now. That sometimes we come into the church, we, we give our lives to the Lord, we get things right with God, and we think that suddenly, immediately, all of our life that has been forgiven that we're not going to have to suffer any consequences from it. But the reality is, forgiveness and consequences are not synonymous. If you travel down a pathway, there are consequences to that pathway. And, and we can't get mad at God because we are suffering the consequences of a lifetime of decisions. And even though God in His grace and mercy has forgiven us, anybody thankful for God's forgiveness? but you still experience the outcome of your decisions. And so you can't pray your way out of this principle or talk your way out of it or repent your way out of it. It is your direction that determines your destination, not your intention. So my word to you today is thank God that you'll pray through. Thank God that you'll let God transform your life. But when you walk out of here, you've got to start walking a different way. You can't keep making the same decisions and want to end up where you feel like God wants you to be. The Bible says those that are new creatures in Christ, behold, all things are become new. There is a completely different set of pathways and direction that we travel on. When the prudency danger they do something about it. Is this okay? You guys okay with this? When we're on a pathway and we look down the road and we say, this is leading me to a bad place. This is leading me to financial insolvency. This is leading me to an IRS audit. This is leading me to problems. What do the prudent do? The prudent recognize it and do something about it. They do something about it. During this time of prayer and fasting, if you'll stop and ponder your paths like God is already doing, you may recognize that I've got to do something about this. And it might be extreme. You might have to cut up credit cards. You might have to have a painful conversation that you've been avoiding. 
You might have to break up with him or her. You might have to move out. You might have to change your phone number. You might have to sell your television. You might have to change jobs. You might have to set your alarm clock on Sunday mornings to make sure you're in the house of the Lord. You might have to sell your house, any number of things. But the point is, I'm not staying on this pathway and expecting God to fix it. I've got to take a change of direction. Change of direction because I don't want to fall into the foolish trap of thinking I can travel on this pathway and it lead me somewhere other than where it's going. And what feels like a sacrifice now as a prudent person will feel like an investment later on when you look back through the rear view mirror. Prudent people don't wait for the world to crash in on them, but they act based on what they can see on the horizon. To wise people... The future is now. Later is now. To the simple, later is always tomorrow. But to the prudent people, I need to deal with this today. Today, today. Anybody ever notice that, this might be a little too rich or heavy, I don't know, but anybody ever notice that sometimes smart people make bad decisions? How about this? Sometimes really smart people make bad decisions. Really talented, smart people make bad decisions. And you would think, well, you know, if your IQ hits a certain level, then you're going to be able to recognize and, and, and tell the difference between good decisions and bad decisions. But the reality is smart people make bad decisions. Can I get an amen from somebody in the house? Why does this happen? It's one word. It's confusion about this word called happiness. Everybody say happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. Is that true? Yeah. No, Pastor, I disagree. There are a lot of people in the world that do not want to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. They, they're pursuing it in their way. Their way, you may be able to look and say, they must not want to be happy because look at the path they're going down. But the reality is they think that their path is going to lead them to happiness. But in people's quest for happiness, they forget, get this now, that happy now doesn't equal happy tomorrow. Happy now doesn't equal happy tomorrow. Happy when I put it on the credit card and take it home and start playing with the toy. Doesn't mean happy three years from now when I'm still paying for the thing and I don't even know where it is. You guys with me? Happy now, happy later. The problem is our heart is a liar. That's what the Bible says. Your emotions lie to you all the time. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to prove it to you in Jeremiah. Happy now doesn't equal, equal happy tomorrow. And when, when you go into the store and somebody says, would that be cash or credit? They might as well be saying, will that be happy now or happy later? Because <laughs> guess what? You pay cash, you're happy later. You pay credit, you're happy now. And not happy later. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Happy now? happy later. It was fun when you brought it home. And, and then, and then you, you get to a fork in the road relationally. And you're like, should I or shouldn't I? Why do we so often opt for short-term happiness? A little bit of pleasure over long-term happiness. Why do smart people choose paths that lead us to where we know that we don't want to go? And when we stand at crossroads where we have to decide between prudent 
and happy. Why do we lie to ourselves? You know, here's the problem. This is the truth. We do sales jobs on ourselves. I don't think anybody appreciates somebody doing a sales job on them. I just start, like, seeing right through them. You know what I'm saying? It's like somebody's trying to sell me on this product or convince me to purchase this or convince me to go this direction. And I'm like, eh, that guy's got a little commission coming. I can tell. He's got a little commission there behind that. He's doing a sales job. I mean, the problem is we do sales jobs on ourselves. And uh, we, we do what we want to do rather than what we ought to do. Here's what we do. We listen to our hearts. Ah. And then we assign our heads the responsibility of coming up with a case to support our heart's decision. Es la verdad. It's the truth, my brothers and sisters. We do it. Let me be vulnerable with you here for a second. Some of you know that I have a, a nice motorcycle that I bought a couple years ago. It's 10 years old. It wasn't that expensive, but it was a major investment. I was able to pay cash for it, but the reality is it was kind of a dumb move because I wasn't completely out of debt, and I purchased something with cash. Well, here's the deal. Here, here's the deal. I fully convinced myself that I was purchasing that motorcycle because I was going to save money on gas. Come on, you guys are laughing because you know you've done the same stupid, stupid, stupid. And I mean, it's not a sin for me to have a motorcycle, but it's a problem when I lie to myself. When the reality is, I didn't want that motorcycle because it could save me maybe $15 of gas per week if I drove that all the time in the rain and the snow and everything instead of my car. And, hey, I'm going to save this much money if I drive that motorcycle. No, the real reason I bought that motorcycle is because it had big white, white walls. And it sounded cool when I started up. And it felt awesome to have the breezes blowing through my hair when I drove. See, the reality is I've got to be honest with myself. Because if you allow your heart to make your decisions and then convince your head to come up with some loopy reasoning as to why you're doing it and you actually believe it, then what you're going to do is you're going to end up continuously going down paths that will lead to where you don't want to go. This is the heart of the matter. This is why you make bad decisions. is because you go with your heart. Your heart's a liar. Your heart is a deceiver. Our tendency to defend our happiness decisions with untrue justifications is what sets us up for trouble in our decisions. Talk about making good decisions. Anybody want to make good decisions? I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. But anybody want to make good decisions? Then you've got to recognize this. That with every decision you make, whether it's a purchasing decision, a decision based on your morality or direction in your life, if you make happiness decisions and you base it on what you want to do rather than what you ought to do and then convince your mind to come up with excuses, you're going to make bad decisions the rest of your stinking life. Self-deception. Deceiving yourself. It's easy when your emotions run high. 
And it keeps you from discovering who you really are. Jeremiah 17, 9, I promised you. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Did you see that? You guys still with me? Oh. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's the most deceitful thing in the world. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? And guess what? You can't fix the deceitfulness of your heart. You can't say, okay, I'm going to teach my heart to only tell me truth. To only speak truth to me when I come to a decision. And I'm at this crossroads of prudence and happiness. I'm going to teach my heart to only tell me good things. No, you're not going to be able to do this. But what can you do? You can recognize that your heart is a deceiver. And every time your heart stops, starts to talk, say, you don't be putting no sales job on me. I know what you're trying to do. You want to be happy now and make me miserable later. But I'm looking down the road. I want to be on the right pathway. I want to be on the pathway that leads me to where I want to go. If you want to turn around your finances, you've got to come to a point where you stop begging God to fix it and realize that with God's help, you need to take a change of direction and learn how to make every little decision differently. Little decisions differently. If you want to walk with God and live for God, you've got to learn to make these little decisions differently. You recognize that your heart can't be trusted and stop listening to it when it makes its pitch. Because if you let it, your heart will lead you down every path that ends up where you didn't want to go. And if you've been excusing your bad decisions for a long time, it's really hard to tell yourself the truth. But I think that during this time of prayer and fasting, some of you are open to truth right now. Some of you are open to hearing what God has to say. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. If I will acknowledge God, not just in my church-going ways, but in all my ways, in my relationships, in my finances, in every area of my life, if I will acknowledge God and not listen to my heart, He will make my path straight. He will order my steps if I acknowledge Him in all my ways. So, in culmination, what is the thing that you need to do with this message? What do you need to do with this word? Uh, Well, if you're on the right pathway... Be assured that there are going to be mockers. Be assured that there are going to be critics. When Nehemiah was building the temple, those men were standing down there. Come on down. Let's have a party. Come on. Let's eat. Let's chill. Let's talk about stuff. Nehemiah said, no, I'm doing a good work. I will not come down. Amen. Young people, when you make a decision for righteousness, when you make a decision for purity, there will be people that will mock you and make fun of you. Yeah. There will be people who say that's unnecessary, that's foolish, that's overboard. There are going to be peers that will mock you. But you're going to say, I'm not going where you're going. I'm going to a different place. I'm sorry. I love you. I wish you'd come with me. But I'm on this pathway. We can be friends as long as you don't try to pull me off my pathway. This is where I'm going. 
I made up my mind. I'm living for God. I'm staying pure from this day forward. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm saving myself for my spouse. I'm saving myself for God's purpose in use. Amen. Come on, somebody. I'm not walking to the beat of this world. This world says this is cool. I saw somebody tweeted the other day. I thought it was funny. It said this. It said, I feel like wearing, it was one of the, a young lady, said, I feel like wearing extra clothes for all these women that don't wear enough. He <laughs> said, I want to live for God. I want to be right with God. I don't care what these people think. I'm not going where they're going. Look where their mom and daddy ended up. I'm going here. I, I want to be what God wants me to be. Get yourself a model, somebody that's where you want to go, and say, how do they live their life? What are their priorities? How do they... How important is church attendance to them? How important is living for God to them? Make your decision. And if you're on the right pathway, stay on the right pathway. Don't let anybody deter you from the way. Amen. But if you're on the wrong pathway, if you're on a pathway to destruction because of your habits and your sins, don't think that by being a member of this church you're okay, you're covered, you're under the umbrella. Don't think that because you got baptized in Jesus' name some time ago, that all, everything is taken care of. Come on, somebody. The reality is only the righteous will inherit the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean only people who are absolutely perfect and have nothing in their past. But it does mean people who learned that their past, that created a pathway that if they keep making the same decisions, going to take them where their past was leading them. And they decide, I'm off that pathway. Now I'm going on a different pathway and on a different direction. Here's what the Bible word for that is. The Bible word is repent, which simply means a change of direction. It doesn't mean, I'm sorry, I messed up. It doesn't mean just shedding tears because you're real you're wrong. It means God forgive me and now get me off of that pathway that all these decisions were creating. Teach me to make right decisions. Teach me to look prudently into the future and decide make my decisions based on being where I want to be. Let's stand together right now. Hallelujah Lord. Jesus, I love you. Can I break it down to, to our young people? Just because you intend to be saved and you intend to live for God and you intend to get a, a Christian husband and wife and raise your kids in church and have a, have a good godly family, just because down in your heart of heart you know that's what you want, doesn't mean that's going to happen. Because that destination is not obtained because of your intention, because that you want it. It happens because you make little decisions to be godly. You make little decisions to turn away from unrighteousness and to turn away from a world that is drawing you away from God, drawing you away from the place of prayer, and drawing you away from holiness and righteousness. And you say, God, each time I come to a, a, a fork in the road, and I'm like, should I or shouldn't I? Do I do it or do I not? Do I say it? Do I post it or not? You have to say, God, 
Am I letting my heart lead me? This deceitful, lying heart. Say, don't say that about my heart. God did. He said it about all of our hearts. If I follow my emotions, where would I go? I'd go anywhere but where God wants me to be. So I've got to stop and say, God, on this decision right now, give me the strength to foresee down the road where this decision leads. And God, give me the courage to tell myself no. You can't live for God without learning how to tell yourself no. That's why some of you that can't fast for a day, you've got a problem. It's a problem. It's not a problem. I'm not talking about those that have physical ailments and so forth. Please understand. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about somebody who's physically just fine, but you can't fast a day. You've got a problem. The problem is you don't know how to tell yourself no. And the problem with that is it's going, that, that problem is going to lead you down pathways led by your deceitful heart and your happiness passion and your appetites that it's somewhere completely different from where you want to go and I I want you to get where you want to go and I don't, I don't know how how I can make it plain young people I want to see you married to good godly people I I desperately want to see you living for God, being an example to other people. Standing up for righteousness, not being ashamed to live for God. It's stupid, stupid, stupid to think that by acting like your friends, you're going to draw them to Christ. It doesn't work that way. You stand up for righteousness. You live for what's right and you watch and something will begin to attract them to you and to God. I desperately, I desperately, passionately want to see it. But I've come to realize I can pray you through a hundred times. I can pray you through till all your tears are cried out. Your jaw is shaking. It doesn't change anything. Until you say, I'm tired of making these same decisions over, 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 and over again. I'm ready to live for God. I'm ready to get on the pathway that's taking me where I want to go. I'm ready. Come on, somebody. I'm ready to get on the pathway. And nobody's going to be able to hover over you, make your decisions for you. If you're waiting for somebody to tell you what to do every step of the way, you need to learn to listen to God. Learn to stop listening to your heart. I'm not mad, but I'm passionate right now. You got what it takes to live for God. You got what it takes to be an overcomer. You got what it takes to be anointed. You got what it takes to be a minister. You got what it takes to have God's mantle on your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody. Do I got a witness in the house? But you'll never get there traveling on that path. It's a new path that God has for you. So when we come talk to the Lord. I don't want you to be beguiled into thinking that if I can speak in tongues, if I can cry, everything's cool. Thank God for that. Thank God that He's merciful to us and lets us feel His presence. But the Word today is stout, but it's straightforward. You've got to get on a different path. Hallelujah. I just want to open this altar for everyone right now. A 
give myself away. Hallelujah. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. Jesus. He shut down. My life is not my own. Jesus, to, to you, you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. I give myself to you. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Self so you can use me give myself away Bible says, for the Lord sees clearly what a man does or a woman does, examining every path he takes. And what I want us to do is close our eyes for a moment. And while God has examined our paths and spoke to us today, I want you to examine your path for a minute right now. Examine the paths that you're taking and say, God, I want you to speak to my heart because I want to get on a different pathway. If the pathway that I'm on is not leading me where I think that I want to go or where I know that I want to go. Jesus, you take time to examine my path. You observe it. You look at it meticulously. And Jesus, give me, be concerned enough about myself to look at the direction that my past decisions are directing me in. And ask you, Jesus, for direction to get where I want to go. In the name of Jesus. I just feel doing this right now. People of God, I want you to come forward. I want you to find a single adult under 30 years of age, and I want you to join with them right now. We're going to pray for one another, but this is how I want you to do it right now. Find somebody under 30 years of age. Come on, just move in right now because we're going to minister in this place. God wants to work for just a few moments before we leave here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, Spirit-filled people of God. Come on, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Grab somebody. You're going to pray with them. You're going to encourage them. Hallelujah. Some of you, some of you can experience the same emotions that Solomon had. You're looking down through your windowsill and you're watching young people make decisions. And you're like, please stop. Please don't go down that pathway. You should please be prudent. Please listen to the voice of the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Right now, I want you to lay hands on them in the name of the Lord. If you feel you've got the authority to do so, lay hands on them. Put your hand on their head and say, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We've got some young men over here on this side. Nobody's praying with them. Right over here. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray now. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Pray like if, if it's not your child, pray like it was your child. Pray with concern. Pray as touching. Lord Jesus, I pray let the word find a resting place in hearts today. Lord Jesus, let right direction be pursued after and hungered for, Lord Jesus, rather than just a solution or a fix or a feeling. God, I pray, Jesus, that you would give people desire for right direction. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Give myself away so you can use me. Give myself away. Jesus, I give myself. Give myself away so you can use me. Take my heart. Jesus, take my heart, Lord Jesus. Take my life. Take my life, Lord. As a living sacrifice. Hallelujah. All my dreams. All my plans. Jesus, I want you, Lord, Lord God, to take Lord, my life. To you I belong I give 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 